That's and that's the thing. That's true. If you want to be healthy, you you have to be intentional. You know the, the old mm-hmm. saying is, if you feel okay, you're not sick, right? No, no. Healthy is something you have to pursue. Okay. You know, just because just because you don't have a cold right now, just because you don't feel like you have cancer, doesn't mean you don't have cancer. You know what I mean? So, um, Dr. Justin Brown, thanks for coming in today. Thanks for inviting me. Um, so Connor and I here, we both are, we, we, we like to think of ourselves as healthy individuals. We both think about it a lot. Uh, Connor does a lot of stuff with diet, uh, in particular and also working out. I do, I do mostly working out is how I think about fitness and health. Uh, and just all around, we like to have, we like to sort of, um, have a healthy lifestyle. And so we had both talked about, uh, chiropractic and, um, how we are, we're really interested in knowing how that plays into the health. We have this, we have this diagram in our heads that we sort of think about health. We have, it's and it's sort of in a circle. So everybody has a, a strength that they are best at incorporating this circle. And the circle is like, you've got working out like physical activity you've also got diet you've got sleep and there's all these different factors into health and how all that plays together and so we were interested into knowing what what the chiropractic how that fits into it um sort of your views on it uh you know everything from how you got into it and all that so if you want to just start by maybe explaining who you are and and what you do as a chiropractor that'd be great okay um Dr. Justin Brown, I've uh, been a chiropractic chiropractor <laughs> in uh, Jackson for, since uh, 2006. My uh, dad, um, he has been in Jackson since the 19 or, well since 1980. Uh, he and my mom met in chiropractic school. My granddad was here in Jackson whenever they graduated, and they actually moved to Colorado for uh, a couple months to try to get a, a start there. But the little town of Cedar Edge, where they got their start, they had had a, another couple. Uh, start there just a few months before a few months before they did and the he uh, I think he said everybody wanted to pay him in cantaloupes or something he said that the town just wasn't large enough to to support two chiropractic couples but um, so anyway they my my granddad had been in Jackson since uh, the 60s 1967 maybe Uh, I can't remember it's on the back of a shirt somewhere yeah that I made anyway uh, so anyway, he, he, he came in and uh, they came in and got started with him. My dad started his own practice. And um, I guess from an early age, I kind of thought that I would be um, a chiropractor. Uh, but I always put that on the back burner because I wanted to leave my options open, didn't want to feel obligated or forced into something. So um, anyway, I graduated high school and uh, it was either electrician or chiropractic because I could have pretty much wired up this building to code after high school because hmm. of some classes I had. But um, I did not want to spend uh, summers in Tennessee in attics. Mm. Uh, that's just too hot. It's, no it's too hot in Tennessee. So yeah. I decided on chiropractic. And, and mostly it was because, uh, you know, when you when you grow up in a town, and my aunt was a chiropractor here in Jackson as well at the time. So I'd grown up in a town where, you know, my granddad, my aunt, my, my dad's patients were all seeing me on a regular basis. And mm-hmm. I, so I heard story after story after story. Yeah, your, your dad helped me with this. And I was um, bedridden or I was scheduled for surgery and uh, they were able to keep me from that. And, and that's that's huge, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to be a part of that. And that's that's ultimately what ended up pushing me into 
chiropractic. But um, so yeah, I graduated from Logan College of Chiropractic in 2006 and joined my dad and. My aunt lost her associate at, at uh, Williams and Williams Chiropractic Clinic. My my grand my granddad had passed away in '99, and so she had been running that clinic ever since. And mm-hmm. so, we, uh, my dad and I, got invited to come join her in practice, and uh, it's kind of a share space thing. And that was a dream come true for me. Me and my dad, and my aunt, all working together in the same office building mm-hmm. clinic, and uh, so we did. We've been I've been there ever since. And my dad just retired, uh, which has made me a much busier man, but. <laughs> Anyway, um, so enough about me. Yeah. Uh, move into chiropractic a little bit. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Explain for those that don't know what, what exactly does that mean? Uh, are there different, I don't want to say levels, but are there different stages that you can take oh, it to? Oh, gosh. You want to get into that discussion? Yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> let's lay it all out okay, there, Okay, so um, even back in the times of Aristotle, there were bone-setting type things that you could do. Now, we're not talking about somebody breaks a bone and they reset it. They're talking about there were there were things people were doing to basically make adjustments. And so um, anyway, through the years, um, you know, those kind of those things kind of floated here and there. Well, back in I, I looked up the exact date today uh, just to make <laughs> sure that I had my history straight. Um, back in 1895, a guy named D.D. Palmer um, was doing a lot of research and he, he was into magnetic healing and, you know, just do, doing all that alternative weird stuff. And um, but he got into chiropractic or it got into into manipulation or adjusting or whatever. Um, and as the story goes, um, there was a janitor. Uh, that had been working in his office and he noticed that there's something just not quite right about this guy's back and he asked him about it and he said well yeah I've been doing some work and my back popped and you know things hadn't been right since and the guy had even lost some of his hearing Uh, well D.D. Palmer you know lays him on the floor and decides to start messing with his back and it snap crackle pops and the guy the next day says you know I'm, I've been hearing better since you adjusted my back. And okay. So, you know, it kind of inspired him and he, he starts doing more and more. And D.D. Palmer ends up being, becoming the, the founder of chiropractic. Um, and then his son, B.J. Palmer becomes the, the developer of chiropractic. Mm. Well, today, um, over a hundred years later, there are over a hundred different chiropractic techniques. And so different levels. Ah, yeah, you, you could say that. Um, there's just a lot of different directions you can go in chiropractic. And most of us um, practice what they call diversified. And that, that's the stuff you see on YouTube where a guy lays you on your side and twists you and you get snap, crackle, pop, lays you on your back, pops your neck. And uh, that's, that's the most common. But um, there are a ton of techniques out there. And, and a lot of guys, they go in one direction and become really good at certain things. And so, yeah, um, and there are different levels of chiropractic just because um, there is even a chiropractic neurology. So these guys get out of chiropractic school, then they focus on neurology from a chiropractic standpoint huh. and uh, doing things that neurologists don't do. Now, we're not talking about surgery here, but we're talking about attacking um, cert- per- certain problems from a completely different angle. So, okay. Yeah. That sort of answers my question, but I was going to ask if it was more bone-focused or more nerve-focused. Oh man! Or if so it's you guys keep to opening up cans. Um, <laughs> if you look at it at chiropractic from the very most basic um, level, uh, and not level as in you know levels of you know one two three, it, it really boils down to mechanics. Okay, okay? Um, you know the the most of your 
vertebrae, that's each individual bone in your spine, there's 24 of them. Most of them have at least six different articulations, okay? Articulations? Yeah. What is that? That's a fancy word for joint, Okay. but some wouldn't consider some of the articulations necessarily joints, so that's why I said articulations, (laughs) but it's pretty much a joint, okay? So each vertebrae has at least six articulations. Now, C1... Jeez. Yeah. What's the normal joint? How many articulations does it have? Um, in the spine or just like normal joint? Elbow. Um, your elbow pretty much, um, well, where your humerus meets your ulna, mm-hmm. um, that's pretty much one articulation. But the radius is also right next to it, articulating with both the humerus and the ulna. And most of the time when I'm adjusting an elbow, I adjust the radius first, and then I work on the ulna. Uh, and... So it's, it's kind of a multifaceted okay. type situation. Okay. So six articulations per vertebrae. Per vertebrae. Yeah, C1's a little different um, because it's shaped different than all the rest of them. Um, and it has four. Okay. That's me thinking on the spot. Is that near the C1. head or near the pelvis? C1 is the vertebrae right below your skull. Okay. Uh, articulates with the occiput. So, um, but, that, but again, that one's shaped more like a ring. Uh, whereas your, the rest of your vertebrae has a body and body stack on each other and then it comes out and then it has articulations with vertebrae above and below it. And then your thoracic spine has two articulations with each rib. So that's why you get it up into um, 10 articulations, you know. And so, uh, again, if you think about one bone having six different area spots where it touches and, and has a joint with another bone, um, you can see why things might not all be moving together real well. Because, I mean, your spine was created as a support system, and all those, all 24 bones are supposed to articulate or move well with the one above it and the one below it. Well, they don't. Not all the time. They're supposed to, and uh, that's what a chiropractor does, is he goes through the spine, he finds which ones are kind of locking together. Uh, when they lock together, they not only are they not moving well, but what are your muscles supposed to do? Your muscles move the bones. Well, if the muscles can't move the bones right, then you end up with uh, everything doesn't work right. You know, right. Muscles may ache, the joints may cause sticking, stabbing pain. They may just ache. Um, honestly, we could, we could take everybody in this building and I could lay them on my table and I could find a problem. Uh, are they all going to be hurting? Absolutely not. Some, mm. Are some going to be in a lot of pain? Yes. Uh, it just depends on how long it's been stuck, why it's stuck, and what the person has been doing while it's stuck. Mm-hmm. So would it be fair to say that if you kind of boil chiropractics down, it starts with the spinal column and then everything else is an extension from from there? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, well, yeah, you, you can go a lot of a lot of different directions with that, and that, and, and that reminded me. Um, and you said nerves, okay? Right. Well, the the spine has a lot to do with nerves, um, depending on what direction you're looking at. Of course, you've got your bulging discs, which can push on a nerve, um, and a lot of times adjustments can improve the function of the low back so well that the bulging disc isn't irritating or pushing on the nerve as much. So it can deal with nerve function that way. Mm. Um, I have a particular problem where sometimes when a couple of vertebrae in my upper back get locked up, uh, I get real bad heartburn. My dad can lay me down, adjust those particular vertebrae in the direction they need to be adjusted, and the heartburn will be gone within seconds. Uh, So 
what is happening there is the part of my spine that's not working right is interfering with nerve function, which isn't allowing that muscle to close off my esophagus right, which allows some stomach acid to creep up through there and then burn my esophagus. So he adjusts me. I'm able to close that off and I'm not getting the heartburn anymore. Hmm. Uh, I've, I've had people, you guys know what incontinence is? <laughs> yeah. So incontinence um, typically uh, is in older folks, um, particularly women, and their bodies aren't closing off um, the, the tubes to urinate mm-hmm. very well. So they'll end up, um, some of them coughing, sneezing, laughing, and they pee a little bit on themselves. And so that's not fun for anybody. And, and so some of them will wear certain things, pad or depends or whatever, to keep that from happening. Well, this one lady in particular comes in for lower back pain. Didn't mention anything about incontinence. A second adjustment, she comes in and she goes, Doc, um, got something kind of weird to talk to you about, but the last time you adjusted me, my incontinence went away completely. And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, I always wear something because it's not, is it going to happen? It's how bad is it going to happen? And she mm-hmm. said, I, I wear something all the time, everywhere. And she said, after you adjusted my low back last time, it completely went away. Um, so in other words, whatever was going on in her low back was not allowing. Some people can compare it to um, taking a water hose, turning it on full blast, and then stepping on it. Well, what happens at the end of the water hose? It doesn't flow right. You know, sometimes it's just a funny flow. Sometimes it's less of a flow. Um, and so they, they compare that to what's going on in a nerve. Now, does that mean a nerve has to have physical pressure for it not to function right? No. Just the joint's not working. There's feedback loops, loops that don't tell the nerves that they're working right. Mm-hmm. And so that interferes. And so anyway, so this lady, um, her incontinence goes away completely. But I, I tell her, you know, there's a lot of different reasons people have problems with incontinence. Don't go announcing to the world that I am the cure for all incontinence, you know, because um, it's, it's not that simple sometimes. Mm-hmm. But so that's that's how that's a couple of ways nerves can be involved. And that's why you hear of some chiropractors claiming that they fix everything, you know, and. Uh, yeah, it amazes me that any of this stuff ever works. Ever, <laughs> Any I mean, we're so complicated. Just the human the, body, oh, the human body. It's so complicated, yeah. and everything is affected by everything else. Yes, just we, how we, how are we even? We have evolved an amazing way, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> That's so. You you just study the human body in just sections. You know, you just look yeah. at muscles, and you look at it, you'd be like, "How can anybody think that that just happened?" Mm-hmm. You know, there's an yeah. amazing creator here. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so can any organ be affected by this kind of stuff? I mean, we've already mentioned um, heart. Um, you mentioned hearing earlier. Bladder. Bladder. Yeah. Urinary yeah. stuff. So, yes, um, your brain funnels down to the spinal cord. The spinal cord runs down through the spinal column. So there's literally a hole in the middle of the, the po- back, not in the back, in your vertebrae, okay, you've got the, the body of the vertebrae in front, which is solid bone, and then it literally creates kind of this hole that's protected by bone where this very, very, very important thing called the spinal cord runs down through your whole spine. Um, and so the spinal nerves exit out of each level of the spine, and those nerves go to certain organs. Um, for instance, uh, they, there was a study where they took People who smoked for years, and after they died, um, they looked at their spines. Um, you can imagine how unhealthy the lungs are in a smoker. 
Well, where those lungs, the lung nerves came back to the uh, spine, those levels of the spine had the most arthritis. Uh, so yes, not those nerves function and organs, you know, that they affect the organs and then the organs actually can affect the, the spine. Um, they call it the somatovisceral, somato meaning spine, visceral meaning organ. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, so somatovisceral reflex, so your spine can affect organs. Um, but then organs can also affect the spine. So, you know, th th those levels of arthritis in the spine correlating to the lungs, that's not coincidence, you know, especially when they look at a bunch of them and they all show the same thing. So, yes. Okay. And, and, that's, and that's why, so again, we're getting in a, a, you'll have some chiropractors that, I mean, they will claim to cure everything, you know, some, some, and some go so far as to, you need to be adjusted if you have cancer. Well, where, where are they coming from? Where are they coming from with that? Well, it, comes from the idea that if your spine isn't working the best it can throughout, you know, the whole thing, then your nerves can't function well. And if your nerves can't function well, then your body can't heal well. And that's why you can get quote unquote cancer. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a, never a philosophy that I'm going to, I'm going to, or a hill I'm going to die on. Okay. I understand where they're coming from. I, I do, but do I think they take it a little too far? Um, yeah, but I've got some chiropractic friends that would scold me for saying that out <laughs> loud. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that was actually going to be one of my questions about, okay, I do know there are some individuals that would say that you don't need a doctor. All you need is a chiropractor. Um, and so I was going to ask you like where you are on that. <clears throat> um, so I guess you just answered that question. Um, what would you say is the most, like, is there... I guess this is two questions. Does everybody need to have an adjustment periodically? Like, would that improve everyone's quality of life, do you think? And also, where, what's, what's the best way to stay, to keep your back the healthiest day well, to day? Let me counter your question with a question. Should everybody exercise? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, if we were all doing... Um, life like people did a thousand years ago, you know, where everybody was doing a lot of different things all the time. Would they need to exercise? No, no, not, not okay. nearly as much, you know? Sure. So, um, the, 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 it's kind of the same way. Um, today we live very specialized lives, you know? So, um, you know, I am leaning over my patients all day, every day. Um, there are, there are certain things that are going to suffer. Um, now, I tell people this all the time. Exercise is your natural chiropractor. Uh, in other words, if you are going to the gym and you have a very dynamic workout, in other words, mm -hmm. it's constantly changing, it's very different, um, it's lots of different joints all the time, um, then you are going to work out a lot of the problems that you would have otherwise from doing the same thing all the time. People with desk jobs, they're going to have certain problems. People that, you know, like... People who paint ceilings all the time, they're going to have their own, own specific types of problems. So mm. from that standpoint, um, yes, everybody should be adjusted. Um, are some people going to thrive without adjustments? Absolutely. You know, mm. are, are some people going to live to 100 smoking and drinking and not exercising? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, but uh, if, if we can keep everything functioning at a, a very high level, are you more likely to have 
less problems. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it's like exercise. We should all be doing it. Um, but for some of us, it's going to make us and some of us going to break us, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, um, but on the other, on the other hand, um, there are a lot of people that are never going to get adjusted. Um, that are, they're going to, going to do fine. Mm -hmm. Um, am I really, am I willing to take that risk with my kids? No, I adjust them on a regular basis. Um, regular basis. What is that? Uh, I try to do it once a month. Uh, they don't get adjustments once a month. I don't stress over it. You mm-hmm. know, when they come to me and say, dad, I hurt. I'm, this is pro- this problem, this problem, this problem. I adjust them. Okay. So this is, this is crazy. So my, my young, my, he's not my youngest son anymore. Uh, my middle son, <laughs> he, uh, he comes to me and he's talking about these visual issues that he's having. He's like, he's like, dad, everything's like normal size. But sometimes when I get close to somebody their head gets really big or when i get close to this particular thing like it gets really big so in other words for whatever reason um all these you know all these things when he would get close enough and get focused on they'd get really big and of course i'm like what in the world is this i start googling and there's this very specific condition couldn't tell you the name of it um where this happens and it's a neurological condition and basically nobody is sure why or how and, and whatever but it's it's very rare and so I'm just like, well, let's do what I know best. And I adjust his neck and it goes away. No way. And, you know, like two years later, he starts complaining of it again and I adjust his neck and it goes away. Uh, so anyway. When, when is it a permanent fix and when do you have to go back through periodically and do the same adjustment? And that's where that, that old chiropractic myth that once you go to a chiropractor, you always have to go to a chiropractor. Um, so there are problems that have come to my office that I've adjusted and they don't come back. They're, they're gone, you know? And if you, and if you have a good, really healthy spine and you have a good, healthy lifestyle, um, then a lot of these problems don't become chronic. Um, and you can adjust them, you know, something gets stuck for whatever reason, or you have a fall or a car accident or whatever. And these things happen and you get them adjusted out and they don't come back and they're gone and you keep your body moving well and healthy. Um, then you don't need a chiropractor um, for that particular problem. Now, again, there's a difference between I have to go to a chiropractor because this hurts, and when I don't, it still hurts, as opposed to um, I just know that when I go to a chiropractor, everything feels better and functions better. There's a difference between that. Then you get those people that come in that have problems that have been problems for years, um, may have started when they were fell off a bike when they were six, may have started when they played football in high school um, may have started because they have terrible posture and are refusing to fix it. Um, those people, there's no amount of drugs that's going to fix them. There's no amount of uh, surgery that's going to fix them. Um, help, yeah. But when, when, you, when you've got a problem that cannot be fixed by anything, um, and your options are get an adjustment every once in a while to keep a pain level from an eight out of 10 to a two out of 10, or possibly not at all sometimes, but you know, when it's bothering you too, or take a bunch of medication, which, you know, none of us are hurting because of a Tylenol deficiency, you know, it's, right. there's a problem, um, or hurt all the time. Sorry. So, yeah, no. So, so, or surgery, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. get adjusted every once in a while is not really that bad of a option. Sure. And so, uh, I think that answered your question. Yeah, yeah. They're just different different people, different problems, different situations. Would you say the healthiest way to, or the, the best way to have a healthy spine is to stay dynamically active mm-hmm. in a regular? Yep. 
I mean, that, when if you don't use it, you lose it. That's mm-hmm. that's that's your joints. I mean, yeah. it, it, muscle mass. I mean, think about it. If you you know people who don't do anything or have in a coma or something like that, their muscles just disappear. Uh, when I broke my arm when I was like eight, um, I had a cast that went halfway up my upper arm and all the way down to my hand. And when I got that cast off, I could not fully extend my arm. Why? Well, because for six weeks my arm was bent, the ligaments had tightened up. Uh, you know, just a lot of things were restricting that mm. arm from going through full motion. Uh, it took several weeks to get it straightened out. Works fine now. You know, yeah. never knew it even happened. But yeah, it, it, if we would move lots of different directions all the time, we wouldn't have as many problems and mm-hmm. you really wouldn't need a chiropractor. <laughs> I have a personal question about squatting. I don't know how much you, I don't know. I mean, it'd be awesome if you'd had like, a power lifter come in here who into your office and just had a really bad, you know, I've heard stories about, you know, power lifters having really, really bad issues with their back. Um, I mean, I, <clears throat> I have for the past like six or eight months have been researching everything I can about correct squat form because everybody talks about how much of a dynamic movement squatting is. I mean, and, and how many compound muscles that it works. So I've, and so I started doing it, and then it started giving me really good issue, really bad issues with my knees and hips. So then I was like, I gotta really make sure I focus on my form. All that to say, um, I'm really interested to know, like, is squatting good for you, good for your spine in particular? Have you ever? I mean, is that is this an issue that you've had in your office before? Um, so my dad practiced for 40 years, and he told everybody, don't squat. Really? <laughs> wow. Um, now, some people are going to get away with it. You know, some people are going to thrive on it. Um, you're right. It, it, it's a complex motion. Uh, and, and, you know, it, so what do you think about CrossFit? I like CrossFit. <laughs> CrossFit? Okay. Um, what's CrossFit's biggest problem? Uh, bad, bad rep. Um, you know, bad form. Honestly, I think it's I think it's um, how hard people push each other. Uh, you're you're right. Bad form is bad in any in any situation. Uh, you know, I I think CrossFit can be very beneficial to some. Uh, I think some people get into it and they shouldn't uh, mm-hmm. for a lot of different reasons. Uh, some people thrive on it. Um, you know, I, I I've got I've got patients and family members and friends um, who have done it and thrived on it and some that have hurt themselves. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I had a young woman, she was 24 years old, come in and, um, I'm going to start CrossFit. What, what do you think? And I said, listen to your body and don't let your partner push you too hard. Um, now this, this girl had been a patient of mine for years, uh, terrible posture. I'm talking about, I was expecting at her, her at 40 years old to look like an 80 year old, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, well, she ended up moving to another state and was in CrossFit and like three years later, she comes in for an adjustment and I cannot believe how healthy her back was as far as her upper back, you know, mm-hmm. and she, her, she had completely changed her posture, completely changed. And I do, I do think CrossFit did some of that. I think she became very con- conscious of her posture. Um, and so is CrossFit 
a bad thing? Well, in the wrong hands, it's a bad thing. If somebody is not going to listen to their to their body, it's a bad thing. If mm-hmm. if somebody can go in there, um, watch their form, listen to their body, not let somebody push them into the ground, um, it can be a great thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, as <laughs> Uh, I was talking to Dr. Stephen Wilkes, another chiropractor here in town who uh, loves CrossFit. Um, he says the results speak for themselves. Well, <laughs> yeah, they do in both directions, though, you know, because sure. some people thrive on it and yeah. some people really hurt each other. So I, I tell people when they come in, should I squat? I'm like, are you being stupid? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, but you, you may be one of those that your body's just not going to allow it for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Um, What's the reason? I mean, as far as I can tell, there's two types of squatting. You know, there's high bar and there's low bar squatting. High bar squatting, the goal is to have a more vertical spine. Low bar squatting, you have more of a horizontal spine. Uh, and I've done both a lot. And, um, you know, I still have tightness in my back the next day. And I'm not exactly sure, you know, what's, what's going on there. I've tried, you know, all sorts of stuff. So is it is it just the... Is the is the why behind bad squatting or squatting being bad for your spine because you're having to take it through so many different motions with a heavy weight on your back? Do you think that's what it is, or do you? What would you say? Um. Well, it's been it's been probably 15 years since I I, I mean in class we literally discussed this uh, in detail and, and workouts and stuff like that, and so. I'm a little rusty on mm-hmm. on the dynamics of squatting. Um, when you say when 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 earlier when you said um, there's a lot of complex motions that go mm-hmm. into it. Well, when when you squat down, okay, your knees go through a certain motion, your hips go through a certain motion, your pelvis goes down and it tilts back and then mm-hmm. it tilts back forward, um, and and so like there's so many muscles that have to, this one has to fire before this one. And then this one has to loosen up. And then this one has Mm -hmm. to, you know, um, so I think that's where a lot of people get in, in trouble, uh, is that dynamic or that very complex motion. Um, your particular problem, your back gets real tight the day after. Um, it could be that it is all those complex, complex motions um, that your back just doesn't like. It could be that you just, um, need a good adjustment. Maybe Mm -hmm. your pelvis is twisted and locked in Mm -hmm. a certain direction. Maybe L4 and L5 are twisted and locked in the same direction or opposite Mm -hmm. directions. Um, And so that could be part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, that's a hard, hard question to answer. Yeah. Squatting is the hardest. I mean, it seems like of any motion, it seems the the least comfortable to, to do correctly. Um, because I don't know. I mean, deadlifting. There, there's this big argument between squatting versus deadlifting. What, what's the king of of movements? And there's some people that say squatting. Some people that say deadlifting. Um, but deadlifting is considerably easier, at least for me. I mean, it makes more sense to me to just pick something up off the ground than to like put something on my back and come back, you know, squat down and then squat back up. It's just it's a pretty pretty unnatural motion for me. So, yeah, I'd be interested to know. What, what a chiropractor visit would do for my back um, in terms of squatting. So, you know, you want me to ruin your day? Yeah, let's you do know, it. The other, the other uh, workout that my dad also told people not to do. What's that? Deadlifting. Deadlifting. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I can't do it right. The only thing is, yeah, I mean, I don't do it that often. Once a week per exercise is sort of what I do. And I've really tried, I mean, in college, 
uh, I was a big ego lifter. Like I would, I would go for weight and reps over form every day of the week. And then there was a point this past year where it put, you know, ego lifting put me out for like six weeks and I couldn't do anything. And I, you know, just bound to determine to do it right after that. So I guess I'm still on the road to that because there are people that like have squatted their whole lives and not had, you know, they, at least they don't say they've had any big issues, but we'll see. Another, another thing is, um, you know, a lot of times if, if you know that you just overdid it a lot, another thing, um, that may help a lot is massage therapy, you know, you know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of times tightness is, is muscular. And so, um, somebody just real, I mean, that, that, that's the other issue is, um, I, you know, I don't work alone in this stuff. A lot, a lot of my patients, mm-hmm. um, I, I've got a buddy right now and, and he's been in the gym and, um, there's certain things he hasn't been able to do. And I've been working on him, working on him, working on him. I've been doing a lot of decompression, you know, trying to really just open up those disc spaces and everything. And I, I just get him so good. And, and it's like, he'll do something just real simple in the mm-hmm. gym, set him back. Well, talked him into going to one of my favorite massage therapists, um, it's made a big difference. Yeah. He's still not out of the woods, but we're further along mm-hmm. than what we were, you know? Mm-hmm. So, man. Okay. So I'm going to change gears just a little bit. Yeah, let's do it. Um, my thing growing up was martial arts mm-hmm. and the further I got into it, uh, the deeper we got into pressure points. And so I'm curious to know what role pressure points may or may not have with your line of work. I know that if, you know, in as much as it is involved, it's the complete opposite of what martial arts is because you would be going into restore, whereas we go into knock out and actually cause damage. But I've been knocked out via pressure points before, so I know it's real. Right. And I'm, I'm curious how that fits into chiropractic. You know, we, we, now there's a difference between pressure points and trigger points. Okay. Okay. And so some people, um, you know, when they get, when they, when they've injured a muscle will develop a a trigger point and then they automatically think that it's the same thing as a pressure point. Um, so I do a lot of work on trigger points. Um, now did we in chiropractic school hit a lot of pressure points and are there some techniques based around pressure points? I think there are, and I can't think of anything of them right now, but I remember us talking about some pressure points, but, um, yeah. Well, some of those points are deeply connected to organs. And so that's, that's when I perked up when you started mentioning things like heart right. and things like that. Um, there are certain points that, that affect organs in your body in ways that you wouldn't expect. So. Yeah. Now, um, see, when, when I was in chiropractic school, Tennessee just got, um, it just changed legislation so that chiropractors could do acupuncture and that's going to be a lot more along those lines. And that's something I didn't really, I didn't really study because, um, I'm, we've got some pretty good acupuncturists here in town. And, um, I called my dad and I said, Hey, should I take acupuncture? And he said, that's pretty involved. And, uh, he said, why don't you just become, try to become a real good chiropractor at first. And then you can study acupuncture later. Cause he said, he said, how do you think, what, what are your feelings on medical doctors taking a weekend, a weekend class on adjusting the neck. I said, mm-hmm. that's a terrible idea. He said, well, Dr. Lee here in Jackson probably thinks it's a terrible idea for <laughs> us to take acupuncture yeah. on a weekend class. So. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Huh. Man. There's so much misinformation also out there about pressure points. You know, it's, it's, it comes from a completely different philosophy than Western medicine. 
and I, and if if all you have is YouTube videos, mm-hmm. you can come away with a lot of weird stuff. Yeah, both so, ways. Yeah, so not everything out there in the martial arts community about mm-hmm. pressure points is real, uh, but some of it is. So, share your story about that. Um. So, the the martial arts class that I was a part of for years growing up had a rule that you were not allowed to be knocked out until you were 18, at least 18. Um, so, you know, naturally, if you hear that rule, the closer you get to 18, the more you want to actually experience it. You know, the more you make that a hard rule, the more you want to kind of, you know, push the limits. So I don't remember how old I was. I was probably 19 or something like that. But um, I, I wanted to see what it was like. I wanted to experience it. So the teacher stands in front of me, we're standing up and another student goes around behind me. And so I start to realize that's where I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall backwards. Um, and I do not remember actually feeling where he hit me. So I saw him kind of doing the hand motion several times, kind of getting ready, but I didn't actually feel the strike. Um, and it was two different places. Um, one was, uh, the part where you feel your pulse, right here on the side of your head. Um, and the other one, yeah, yeah. There's that place where you kind of feel your pulse. Mm -hmm. And another one was somewhere, somewhere further down in the jaw or neck on the opposite side. And I don't know exactly where that one was. (laughs) Um, but it was both of those at the same time. Wow. So the hands kind of coming across this way. Um, and again, I didn't feel it. And my first thought was, Oh weird. It didn't work. And then I felt myself start to fall backwards and I realized I couldn't catch myself. And uh person behind me caught me and just kind of put me into a sitting position. I couldn't move, but I was still awake for about mm. a second. And then it's like everything started to just kind of close in. Um, and the world just kind of went black. <laughs> and by that point, the teacher had gone around and he was doing whatever revive points, you know, they do to kind of bring you back. And um, uh, things were going in and it was about to go completely dark. Mm. And then all of a sudden I was back. You couldn't do anything about it. No, uh-uh. wow. no, I was going to sleep. So that's wow. crazy. Yeah. Have you ever passed out Dr. Brown? Not that I recall. I, I, I almost did once I had, um, I mean, this is an, un, totally unrelated from chiropractic. <laughs> um, I was, I was working with a machete and, uh, like an idiot, I I macheted my finger. Like I was holding, I knew I was holding the stick too far up. Macheted my finger clean to the bone, and like I I can remember seeing like you know like the skin layer laid open, then there's the fat layer, and then there's like the white bone down there. I can't I can't entirely remember if I could actually see the bone, but I remember thinking this is definitely the deepest cut I've ever had, and like uh, and it was wasn't bleeding at all. There was zero blood. But just in case, I remember tucking it under my elbow or my armpit, like 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 World War II survivor kind of thing, with a gunshot wound, and uh, got in my car. I didn't have a phone with me, and I tried to drive across campus. And I can remember, like en route to where I was headed, uh, which was I knew where my wife was, so I was like, I gotta just gotta get to my wife. Um, en route, like my you know, my, the, my vision's dimming and I'm like having to fight to keep it, keep it going. I was like, you, I was like driving a car. I was like, if you pass out while you're driving this car, a lot of damage is going to happen. And, uh, I remember having to like fight to stay awake. Then I stopped the car, couldn't stay awake anymore and started walking and like 
like a drunken man. Um, anyways, uh, safety and security had to find me. I didn't. I still didn't make it, and it was just happened to be that somebody saw me uh, like collapse on the side of a a car, and I couldn't walk anymore. And I was just barely like it was you know inches of my of my vision were still there. Anyways, it was crazy. That was the first. That was first and only time I've ever come close to pack, passing out. But it was crazy because it was like there was almost nothing I could do to like stay awake. So, so you had the same experience where things are going black from the yeah, outside from in, the outside where in. it's kind of closing mm-hmm. in on you. Huh. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of it was pretty scary. Um, you see that in movies sometimes. Yeah. I was just going to mention Looney Tunes. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Maybe that's where they got the idea. Yeah, maybe so. Oh, man. All the traumatic experiences they went through in this. Is there a particular, to bring it back to chiropractic, is there a story or a patient that you've seen that had the worst of any back that you had to to do the most extensive repair? Well, um... I've I've got several stories. Um, couple, couple that one, um, I mean, he was. I told him. I, I I straight up told him. I don't I don't think I can help you. And he just he asked me if if um, if I would at least try. And I and I said I I could. And neither one of us could could believe how good he did. And that I, for about six months, um, he, he was coming in, uh, I, he wasn't coming in for a weekly visits those six months, but you know, once we got him really good and he's in every three to four weeks just to, for a tune up, mm-hmm. um, I haven't I had talked to him in a while. So, I mean, you know, some, you got enough, you got a bad enough disc problem. Um, eventually it's going to blow, you know, and, and even if I can get him really good, if it event, if that disc ends up blowing in the wrong spot, um, you could end up in surgery in hours, you know, um, one guy in particular, uh, he, he, he drove a forklift and, uh, I, I probably saw him six or eight times and he would, he would get better, get better, get better. And then be right, right, right back to square one. And, uh, anyway, after about eight times, I was like, look, you need to go talk to your medical doctor about getting an MRI and, and seeing what, what's going on here. Um, I, I hate taking people off work, you know? Um, and usually if I, if I'm going to allow them to do that, I'm, you know, they're going to go see their medical doctor anyway, and they'll probably take them off work because, uh, you know, chiropractors and, and some people still aren't on the same level. You know, there's, there's still people who think we're crazy and there's still medical doctors who won't refer. That's, it's way better than it was 20 years ago, but, mm-hmm. um, there's still kind of a frustrating dynamic there. So and that, that's another reason why, you know, somebody goes to work and says, my chiropractor took me out work. Sometimes the, the boss doesn't like that too much, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, he goes to his MD, they schedule him an MRI, he takes him off work, and from that point on, every day that he's not on that forklift and I'm adjusting him, he just gets better and better and better. Well, he, Like four weeks later, he has the MRI. Um, at that point, he's doing a ton better, you know, and so they got the MRI. It was going to be two more weeks before he saw his surgeon. Um, sits down with the surgeon, and he is 85% better, and he t- he's telling the surgeon, he's like, if this is what I've got to deal with, I don't want surgery. And the surgeon, you know, he shows him the MRI and says, here's, here's the problem. I can still justify doing the surgery. And, my, and the patient, which kind of blew me away. The guy is not in any, any he's not going to lose any muscle. He's not going to lose function. He's not going to lose, numb, he's not even going to have, he doesn't even numb the tingling at this point. You know, it's just, hmm. he just has some dull, low back pain. And anyway, the surgeon said, oh, you know, I can still operate any of the guy says, no, it's, it's been four years and I still see this guy and 
honestly, the last three flare-ups he had, um, only one of those flare-ups was his low back. It was the yeah. other the other two times he's been in with a bad problem. It's his upper back, totally un, unrelated to uh, the problem in the lower back that they want to do, do surgery on. And I'm, I'm not a totally against surgery. Uh, surgery has done a lot of people a lot of good, but should it be last resort? Absolutely, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so that that's that's another one that is a, another one. Now, one one story in particular that still to this day, um, I'm, I'm I get so excited about. This lady came in in a wheelchair. Um, a couple months before, um, she had. So this lady had a problem with her spinal cord. There's fluid in spi- in, inside this sac that surrounds your spinal cord. Okay, um, that fluid is constantly um, circulating and recycling itself. You know, you don't want the same fluid in that spinal spinal mm. sac forever. Um, well, this hers wasn't getting out. It wasn't recycling itself. And basically there's a pressure that was building up in this sack, which was making her feel bad and lethargic and just, she wasn't enjoying life. And so they went in to do a spinal tap just to make sure they could do this. Well, when they did the spinal tap, they must've hit a nerve or a set of nerves or something, because, um, as they were doing it, she felt lightning down her legs, um, incredible amounts of pain. And, um, you know, over the next, you know, 10, 15 minutes, it was gone. Well, two weeks later, she's sitting in a restaurant and she goes to get up, same exact pain. I mean, just, you know, just like it was, but this time she can't stand up. Mm -hmm. Uh, She has to get her husband and somebody else to basically put her in the truck. What was the time gap again between those two? Two weeks. uh, Two weeks. Okay. Two weeks. Uh, So um, her doctors can't figure out what's wrong with her. Um, They can't do the surgery because she's in too much pain. She's the only way she's comfortable is laying on her left side. Uh, So... um, she sees another chiropractor. Um, they, they weren't able to do anything. Um, she's been to Vanderbilt. I mean, she's been to all these different doctors, and nobody can figure out what in the world's wrong. She's still in a wheelchair. She's still not able to right. Uh, the, walk the, her only her only she she can she like she could walk, but it was excruciating, mm-hmm. and, and she's real weak. So anyway, her, you know, her and her, her daughter come in, and um, you know, she's telling me all this, and I'm like, look, this sounds like sounds neurological, you know, but. The neurologist already checked her out. They, they, nothing's wrong with her. So anyway, I, you know, she's just, well, will you, will you try? Just, will you just try? And I was like, well, I'll try, you know. So the, again, the only, the only place she could lay on was on her left side. And one of the worst, one of the worst problems, one of the worst pains she had was in her right glute, you know, right low back, right glute, down her leg. Um, so the only thing I could do was lay her on her on her left side mm-hmm. and I just started working on her glute just just working the muscle just trying to loosen it up um, I did uh, probably you know maybe 10 minutes of that and it seemed like it was getting to the point where it was getting uncomfortable to her and that's probably all the work I could do so I sent her back for ultrasound they did ultrasound and we're talking therapeutic ultrasound not looking for a baby ultrasound oh, right? yeah. imaging uh, so they do ultrasound and they put an ice pack on her um, brought her back in did some more muscle work um, more ultrasound, more ice. Uh, I think only did it twice. Um, so sent her home and I, I just bring her in and she's in like three times a week for the next two or three weeks. And over those three weeks, I got to where I could lay her on her stomach. I could do some adjusting. Uh, each time I could do a little bit more. At the end of those three weeks, she was walking into my office. Uh, the end of two months, she's pretty much back to the way she was. Mm. Um, to this day, I still don't know exactly why she was as bad as she was. Mm. Um, I don't know exactly what I did that Mm. fixed her. Um, I just knew 
we had a problem. I looked for problems. I worked on those problems, and over time, she got better. Hmm. Uh, she had the surgery; it helped. You know, it was she had the shunt surgery. She didn't need surgery on her low back, but hmm. she would have been able to have that surgery until we yeah. got better. So, yeah. um, what does it look like for when you say uh, I, I adjusted as much as I could? What is the as much as I could part of that? Like, are there are there joints or articulations that you try to adjust, but they just won't with your with your adjustments. Yeah. Um, or is it a pain level that they that they don't want to experience? Well, with, with with some patients, you just can't do much. Uh, some 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 patients, you, you do too much, they're just going to feel worse. Uh, you do too little, you, you're just they're not going to get better. You mm-hmm. know, and and so with each and every patient, you've got to figure out what you can do and what you can't do. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes that's a fine line. Uh, I've, y'all, um, since I'm a, a younger guy, you know, working with my dad for the last, you know, 12, 13 years, um, I was always seen as the guy who was rough in the office. Okay. Well, since my dad is retired, um, I've had one lady come in and say, yeah, my mom came in and she said, your dad was uh, a little rough, but you were just right. And I'm like, what? That's not what I typically hear. And then last week, I kid you not, this lady in her 60s, she comes in and she goes, um, this is one of my dad's old patients. He's seen her for years. And she goes, uh, you remember that adjustment you gave me back in February? And I'm like, yeah. And she said, um, it's not going to cut it. You're going to have to be rougher with me. I'm like, all right. And, th- and then I've got others that they're, you know, they say you're a little too rough. Can mm-hmm. you back it down? And it's all about communication. But, mm-hmm. um, and, and then I have other patients, they come in and, um, I can be very rough with them and things still don't adjust. Mm-hmm. And some of them, I say either you adjusted fine today and you're going to be sore, but over the next couple of days, you're going to feel a lot better. Or you're going to know over the next couple of days, you're not better and you're going to adjust a lot better. Today, we're just getting stuff started, mm-hmm. and you're going to adjust a lot better in the next couple of days. And they do. They do. Mm-hmm. How much do you think emotional health plays into this? So, like, I can, I can picture a situation where someone's had a problem for 10-plus years, and they've just kind of resigned themselves to the fact that they're not going to get better. So they go in to see, you know, someone like you who has the tools and the techniques to help them, but because they're so resigned, it doesn't work. Um, I thought you were going in a different direction there. So my mind okay. started going okay. in one direction. <laughs> well, and go, then, go and then whatever you, direction yeah, you yeah. want to. Yeah. Well, let's I'm go just back trying to, to figure out the connection between emotion and, and physical. Let's go back. Um, let's, so there, um, I, I absolutely believe there's a big connection there. Okay. Okay. Um, now. There are some chiropractors that practice with a incredibly positive, um, what do you want to call it? Um, attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, the, the way they speak to their patients is literally part of their technique. Okay. okay? Mm. Um, so how much does your mind play in healing? Really? That's, that's part of the question. Um, right. So, and, and then you can go into placebo with that, you know, um, you know, they've done placebo trials where, you know, they just placebo helped. Why, you know, and it's, it's cause your mind, you know, um, so that, I think that does play uh, a part, um, in a, in a lot of things. Some people, I, I do have a couple patients. I, I wouldn't, I not, again, not another hill I would die on, but I think they don't get better because they don't really want to get better. They, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they, they come in thinking this isn't going to help. You know, um, 
Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but, but again, the, I've, I've got, uh, I, I've seen chiropractors who focus on, uh, again, their attitude, the way they speak to their patients is part of their technique. Mm-hmm. And I, th- and I absolutely think it helps. Mm-hmm. It would make sense because hope is so important. Yeah. People have to have hope. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I never thought about that before. The, the other side, the, the direction I thought you were headed in. Um, I cannot tell you how many people are coming in with neck and shoulder, especially um, problems because of stress. Okay. Um, I, I've seen people that I, uh, w- one story. Um, this lady always comes in and her neck and upper back and her shoulders are always, um, I mean, just tighter than a banjo string and she's always stressed out, you know? And one day she comes in and I'm like, what have you been doing? Like your neck and your upper back and your shoulders feel way better. I don't, you got to keep doing what you're doing. She's a school teacher. She goes, Justin, I just quit caring. I said, what? She goes, there was a bunch of things at school. I have no control over. I can't do anything about, I had to just give it up. I, I just, I said, so you're, you're telling me you're give a darn broke. And she said, yeah. (laughs) And, uh, it, and, and it made all, all the difference. Um, another lady, she has a fall and I think it was Kroger, um, hurts her low back and she comes in and I'm adjusting, 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 adjusting. And I finally give up on her cause she's just not getting better. Like she'd get better a little bit and then she wouldn't. And then she'd get better a little bit. And finally I just, I said, I'm not helping you. She saw a family member at, like, I think it was a baby shower or a wedding shower or something. And she said, Oh, tell Justin that I went to my doctor and he said I was suffering from depression and I went on this depression medication and my back is so much better. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Yeah. That, but yeah. Why in the world? I mean, she had a mechanism of injury. She fell, her low back hurts. Hmm. Depression medication makes it better. Yeah. Um, so was it a combination? You know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That actually is a great segue into a question that I that I wanted to ask about. I, I hate using the word alternative because uh, that sounds so negative. But um, like my my mother in law is really big into essential oils, mm-hmm. uh, and we've already talked about acupuncture, uh, and I'm trying to think of other things that are related into the health field. I mean, I guess you could get into like diets, paleo and stuff like that, that, you know, there's lots of people that have positive benefits from using those things. Do you have any experience or knowledge with dealing with any of those other types of, um, I mean, essential oils is not a medication. It's, it's more of a, it's really, it's gotta be a lifestyle in order for it to make a difference. People do use them for migraines though. Yeah. And I would imagine you probably see people who deal with migraines. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, one correction, uh, the whole, the word alternative medicine is not a bad word to to some of us who, who, I mean, so you're, again, I'm fourth generation chiropractor. Um, I grew up in a, in a very, very naturally minded family. And so alternative medicine, actually, actually, um, mainstream medicine or, uh, you know, that's actually in my family, that's the bad word. Oh yeah. Now does it, now does that mean that we hate all that they do? Absolutely not. You Mm -hmm. know, but you're talking to a guy who I'm, I talked to my mom and my dad, both about this. I'm pretty sure the first antibiotic I took was at 34. Wow. 34 years old. Why? Well, my mom and dad weren't afraid of me having a fever. Um, I fought a lot of the na- things that I had as a child naturally. Um, 
my mom had chicken pox parties, you know, because one of the best, a, a good way to get immune to chicken pox is catching the chicken pox. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of different arguments in, in those areas. So um, alternative medicine has a place, and we're seeing that more and more and more. I don't know if it's St. Jude or Le Bonheur or what, but one of the big hospitals are using essential oils now. You know, mm-hmm. um, So uh, the thing that turned me on to essential oils, is my wife was really getting into it. Um, again, me growing up in um, a very much an alternative medicine-focused home, um, I've seen a ton of things, and I've seen a lot of things flat, fall flat on their face, mm-hmm. and I've seen a lot of things prove to be right on. And so, could you give some examples of those? Um, oh man, probably not. Yeah, um, n- n- things that have fallen flat on their face. Uh, no, uh, through the years, um, you just see all these, all these like supplements that mm-hmm. come out that are, that are the new and greatest thing the that's going to change everybody's life. Okay. And, and the one reason I don't like, I've got one in particular in my mind that I want to say it was a, uh, Oh man, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't, I don't, I don't know how big you're, I don't, I don't want to hurt how many, how many, offend, so. how many people um, you want to offend. So, you know, so you got this supplement that's supposed to change all these people's lives, and you mm-hmm. talk to these people who tried it, and it cured this, and it cured that, and I'm so much healthier. Well, the fact of the matter is, if you've got somebody with a nutritional deficiency, okay, nutritional deficiencies are going to cause problems. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's migraines. It doesn't matter if it's mm. stomach issues or chronic fatigue syndrome or whatever. You fill that nutritional deficiency, they're going to feel so much better. You know, their, 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 their eyesight's going to get better. Their hair's going to grow thicker. Their nails are going to be healthier. You know, the, the migraines are gone. You know, mm-hmm. all these things. And so um, is it a particular brand or thing in particular that, that is a miracle? No, mm-hmm. no, it's just health, yeah. you know. Um, so, the, uh, but I, I kind of expected the whole essential oil. Essential oils have been around for years and years and years. It's just a few yeah. companies have really blown it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I, my, my daughter was two at the time. My wife and her, a couple of her friends were really starting to get into it. And, and they're not fanatics, mm-hmm. um, but they, they saw that there were probably some benefits. Well, doTERRA makes an oil called Digest Zen, okay? Um, supposed to help with digestion and all, all this, that, and the other. Well, on and my daughter did not deal with a lot of constipation, okay? But there were multiple occasions where this two-year-old came in and, Mommy, my tummy hurts. Two, mm-hmm. two and three years old, Mommy, my tummy hurts. My wife would rub this digestion on her stomach, and within five minutes, she would go have a bowel movement and feel fine. Mm-hmm. Now, it, you know, and, and it always happened like clockwork, you know? So um, they have their place, you mm-hmm. know? Are, are, are they everything some wants you to believe? Nope. Okay. But, but it's like everything else. You, you're going to have something like, okay, the, the big fad right now, um, <clears throat> CBD oil. Okay? Yeah. A lot of people, I've talked to a lot of people, some swear up and down, it's helped this, this, and this. I don't know what that is. Could you explain? CBD oil. So they, they basically take in marijuana, um, how they get all essential oils. I'm not ex- sure exactly how they get all the essential oils and, and make the essential oil, but they're taking marijuana. They're, they're taking the THC out of the CBD oil right. 
and they're using it for therapeutic um, okay. benefits. And it's a huge fad right now. Yeah. I know. I've yeah. seen signs like high-end hemp. Yeah. All those funny names coming up. Yep. Huge. Okay. Yeah. Huge fad right now. Everybody's and I, I like everybody and their mom is trying to get me to sell it. Um, but I think it's like everything else. I think there's going to be a group of people that it, it helps a lot, and there's mm-hmm. going to be some that try it, and then they're like, "This is trash. It's not helping me at all." Sure. Well, no, it just didn't help you, you know. Yeah. So I've got I've got a comment and a question. Uh, my comment is that uh, I've tried several supplements over the past few years, and the one that I've actually noticed a difference with is fish oil. Mm-hmm. Um, and I noticed that with joints in particular, mm-hmm. I know it's supposed to help with a lot of different things, kind of like what you were right. talking about. But the big difference that I've noticed has been in joint health. Right. So I used to run uh, semi consistently, and I would have ankle pain. Um, around the time that I started running more regularly, training for a marathon, I also started taking fish oil and all the joint pain was gone. And that was at a time when my running was at its peak. Yeah. So you would think that that would be the time when I would be hurting the most, but Mm. I really think fish oil had something to do with that. You're going to, you're going to let me tell one of my favorite stories. Okay. Um, you guys familiar with the Andrew Jackson marathon? Yeah. Ran from unions campus for years and years and years. So I was race director for that marathon for several years. I joined the exchange club and long story short, it fell in my ha- f- fell in my lap and I'm not a runner. Um, not really an event organizer, but, um, anyway, fell in my lap. So, uh, we had a pre race kind of get together. We in- invited marathoners to come up to Jason's deli and we had a special, you know, carb up type meal and, and, and everything. And so it was basically at a time for us to sit down and, and talk to runners and just kind of chit chat. Well, this guy is in his seventies. Let's say, let's say 74 sits down and he's talking to us and he's a 50 stater twice. Okay. So there's, there's this group mm-hmm. that have run a marathon in all 50 States. Goodness. This guy's done that twice. He's 74 years old and he's in Jackson, Tennessee <laughs> to run the Andrew Jackson marathon. And so this is 100 plus. I don't think it was 101. I think mm-hmm. it was, I, I want to say 114 marathons. At the, okay. A marathon mm-hmm. is 26.2 miles. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to ride a bike 26.2 <laughs> miles, yeah. much less run it. Yeah. Um, so he, uh, He's sitting there talking to us, and uh, one, of, one of my other race committee members, he's sitting there. He says, uh, he says, how in the world are your knees in such good shape um, that you're still running marathons after all the marathons that you're running? And he said, I, I, I think it's my uh, – he said – no, he didn't say I think. He said, he said, it's joint supplements. He said, I've been taking joint supplements for years. That's the, that's, that's the only thing I'm going to give uh, credit to. Mm. Um, this other guy says, well, I tried joint supplements and it didn't seem to help. And he said, well, when did you try them? And he said, uh, about six months ago. He said, no, if you wanted joint supplements to help your knees now, you should have started taking them 20 years ago. Wow. Well, that stuck. Yeah, that stuck with me. A year or so later, I'm sitting in a hotel lobby eating breakfast uh, in, in Illinois. Um, I look over and this guy's got a marathon shirt on. You know, this guy's in his 40s and to strike up a conversation. Hey, have you ever been to Jackson run the Andrew Jackson marathon? I'm the, I'm the race director. And he, he, we start talking, he finds out I'm a chiropractor. He says, well, he said, Hey, you'd be interested to hear this. He said, um, five years ago, I was morbidly obese. Uh, couldn't walk half a mile without my knees killing me. He mm. said, now I'm running marathons. He said, I started taking a joint supplement about, you know, four or five years ago, started walking. He said, the better I got, the more I walked, the more I ran. He said, I'm, you know, it's, I, I love my joint supplement. And I said, well, which one are you taking? And he said, 
you know, he said, it, it doesn't seem to matter. He said, half the people I tell this to, they try it and they get better. And the other half, they don't seem to get any benefit from. And in my mind, I think some people are past the point of no return. Like your joints, are, your, your knees are in such bad shape, you can't rebuild them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, uh, I'm going to take a joint supplement for the rest of my life because that 74-year-old guy, he, I saw him cross the finish line. Now, yeah. he's bloody. He, yeah. he tripped and fell and bloodied himself up pretty good. Um, but at 74, if you, still, if you yeah. cross that finish line. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, again, I don't know a lot of the science behind it, um, and I know there are a lot of different kinds. Yep. Joint supplements, mm. um, but I have personally experienced a benefit from fish oil, yep. and so that mm. makes me want to keep taking it. So, yep. uh, my question, and this this comes from having a uh, a two month old son. What do you think about vaccines? Oh man, he went there. I'm having to yep. figure this out now. What I think oh, about it. So I've been gosh. I've been reading a lot of books, reading articles, and I'd like to say I'm closer to knowing what I think, but I'm not. <laughs> So you seem like the kind of person who's thought about it. Oh yeah. Uh, well, I haven't done a lot of research in years on it. And so nothing I'm going to say is going to come with, um, this is where I stand hardcore and this is why. Sure. Um, so my parents, um, they had 12 kids. Okay. Um, none of us were vaccinated. None of us. Um, my mom, uh, she, like I said, she was very, very, very health-oriented. Um, in other words, uh, from a very young age, uh, well, I mean, she made sure we were all breastfed um, because that is the healthiest way. Um, yeah. She ate like a rabbit. She took lots of supplements. I mean, the woman, she's in her mid-60s and had 12 kids, and if you saw her, and she told you she was 55, you'd believe her. I mean, mm-hmm. she's, she's in great shape, one of the healthiest people I know. Um, we, were, we, we weren't allowed to lot, watch a lot of TV. You know, she made sure that we got out and we got lots of exercise. Uh, we ate like rabbits. We had very little sugar in the house. We didn't drink a lot of milk. She didn't believe that your primary source of calcium should come from milk. You know what I mean? And it's not that she was a huge anti-milk person. Mm-hmm. It's just drink water. Yeah. We didn't have Cokes in the house. You know, we, we got soda on the weekends when we were allowed to have pizza mm-hmm. also on the weekends, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. um, we got lots of sleep. We, I mean, again, every, every, every way that you could, um, attack health, that's the way she, she attacked it. And, um, so I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Um, I've got a kind of a bad attitude about it all the way around. Um, my and here here now again i'm gonna get in trouble on both sides uh for this (laughs) attitude um i kind of have the attitude that if you are going to be negligent in your kids health in other words um let them eat sugar whenever they want it let them eat cereal for breakfast let them um pick and chew my kids aren't allowed to be picky if you don't my, my son he doesn't like beans he gags when he eats them um he eats them (laughs) <laughs> yeah. you know well, he doesn't eat anything, kind uh, of thing no yeah. he, he still eats them yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm like you will get over that gagging get over it you know uh which we don't eat him make him eat a ton of beans he just he has the option to go make him a salad half the time but he still has to eat some of them you know because and that's another thing I, I really appreciate about my mom 
today, I, I will tell you the the food that I enjoy. The, the if I don't hate any food, okay. But if you said, "What's the one thing you don't like the most?" Avocados. Okay, I I don't like the texture. I don't like the taste. But nine times out of ten, um, if we buy avocados to go on salads. I love guacamole. That doesn't make sense, but um, <laughs> there's salt and little, little garlic. Salt does wonders. <laughs> it's <me>. amazing. <laughs> um, but I will sit there and I'll cut an avocado in half and eat it with a spoon because I know it's good for me, you know, mm-hmm. and not make a big complaint. I mean, you don't have to be dramatic when you're eating food you don't like. <laughs> right. <laughs> so back to vaccines. Um, if you're going to be negligent with your kid's health, um, if you're going to let them watch as much TV as they want, um, I usually say a lot of different things and they're just not coming to mind right now, but there are a lot of ways that parents are not being intentional. That's, and that's the thing. True. If you want to be healthy, you, you have to be intentional. You know, the, the old mm-hmm. saying is if you feel okay, you're not sick, right? No, no. Healthy is something you have to pursue, you okay. know, just because, just because you don't have a cold right now, just because you don't feel like you have cancer doesn't mean you don't have cancer. You know what I mean? Um, so, um, if you're not going to pursue your kid's health and if you're going to be negligent, please go have your kids vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have an incredibly healthy, healthy immune system, um, can you fight a lot of this stuff off? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you get into the argument of, well, you're putting people um, that have immunodeficiency issues at risk. Well, I struggle with that. You know, I feel sorry for them. I truly do. But at the same time, um, while the, the risk factors with vaccinations are low, uh, I don't think that I should legally have to vaccinate my kids just because there's a group that are immunodeficient. Um, I, I, struggle, I struggle with that attitude because I, I, I know that if one of my children were immunodeficient, um, I would want other people to be having healthier practices. But you know what, man? If we're not going to go in to people's homes and tell them they have to eat a certain way, you have to raise your kids a certain way, you have to feed them. There's, there, there are a lot of things as a society that we are failing our kids at right now. Um, we need to argue about all that stuff before you tell me that I have to get my kids vaccinated. Mm-hmm. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, I think that's a pretty well-rounded way to look at it. I I don't know. Um, when we had our son, our son is a year and something. I don't know. He's growing every day, but um, he we didn't know when we when we went to the doctor after he was born. We had no clue, you know, what we thought about it, and we still don't because um, there was there's just too much research for us to even like come close to breaching. <clears throat> and it's gotten political. Yep. Yeah, yep. that's part of the problem. It's yeah. getting worse and worse and worse. So, I mean, I uh, so we wound up just vaccinating. We just got them all because uh, I was like, well, risk factors are low. And, you know, so w- we didn't know what we thought. But, um, yeah, I, and I really haven't thought about it since. But it is good. It is good. I mean, uh, the whole the whole thing, the whole circle of health. We should make a song instead of the circle of life, the circle <laughs> of health. It keeps um, coming up in different podcast episodes. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's a common thread. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's so important to me. Um, so, yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. That every parent has to just decide on their own. Um, I think I, I've got lots of friends and family that have vaccinated their kids. 
I don't think it's because they do or don't love their kids, you know, mm-hmm. or, or don't love their kids. That's what I meant. It's they're they're doing the best they can with with what they know to do. And you're right. It's you know right right now. If you have a problem with vaccination, you're just a stupid mom on the internet reading somebody's hoopla, and that's bull. Because there there have been doctors for years saying it's not all true. Now, are there benefits to vaccinations? Yeah, there are. There are benefits, and I have a I have no problem with the whole herd immunity idea, but I have a problem with you telling me my kids have to be a part of that herd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know. I, okay, this is, so this is coming from someone who does not know yet where he stands on the issue. I don't understand the herd immunity thing because can't you still be a carrier even if you've gotten the vaccine? Like take flu as an example. I know there are a lot of different strains of flu, so maybe that's not a good example. But even if you get the flu shot, you can still carry it and still pass it on to someone else. So how does that really help? Well, I don't, I don't, I, the, the whole carrier argument I'm, I'm not ready to take on okay. because I haven't really thought in that direction in a very long time. Um, I do understand the herd immunity in this way. Um, the more people that are not able to catch it and become very contagious, um, because not everybody not everybody's going to be a carrier. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and again, I'm, I'm not going to argue that hardcore because I, I, I'm, it's been a long time since I've looked deeply into it. But um, the less people that are contagious, um, the less people in the herd, the less – and, of course, that's with the, the measles outbreaks that everybody's talking about right now, which is crazy to me because there's so many more bigger health public health issues than the small – very contained measles outbreaks that are happening. Um, Can you explain? I I've not heard of that. Yeah, well. What are the measles? Uh, well, measles is another um, usually childhood uh, disease that is really contagious. Now, some argue it's easily treated, easily, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, now, people with their health is not good for a variety of reasons because maybe their bodies just aren't strong enough or they're older or they're too young, yada, yada, yada. Um, that's the big arguments is mm-hmm. we should all be vaccinated. Um, even though it can be treated, even though, you know, we, we can deal with this in a, in a decent way that hmm. if we all were vaccinated against it, less people would catch it there. Right. So therefore less people who are more susceptible, more susceptible to dying mm-hmm. from it. Um, they're, they're, they're safer. They're safer. Um, but yeah, measles is, it's, it's a rash, very contagious. It is very contagious. And that's why everybody's freaking out about it is because it's, it's airborne, very contagious. And it's very visible. Yeah. It's very clear when you have it. Yeah. So it's easy to, it's easier to freak out about it than yeah. some of the others. Yeah. So it, 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 but I honestly, I think a lot of it's propaganda. Um, because that's, that's that people get you freaked out about something and we get emotional and then we scream about it. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah, it's, it's propaganda both ways. Uh, and it's hard to, I mean, for years, like ever since I was born, you know, I was it, uh, going to schools and stuff. It was, I was, I've been inundated with the vaccination pro argument and never even heard, I didn't even know there was anything else at all until like a year ago um, when, you know, my wife started asking those questions when we had Julian. And I was like, wait, hang on a second. <laughs> There's an option? <laughs> like, I didn't know that was a thing. So may not be an option for long. Yeah. 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 And that, that's, that's the way, it, you know, I, I, 
seemed, you know, when we talked, we actually talked to a couple of doctors and a couple of other people, and it seemed like it was headed in a direction towards, like, this is about to be mandatory. Yep. It has the option of doing that, so. Yep. And the good, you know what the good news is? What's that? God is sovereign even over vaccinations. Yeah. <laughs> if... If you're if, if if one of my children if if we have to get mandatory vaccinations and one of them has some kind of reaction, um, I'm going to be irritated. But in the long run, I God is sovereign, and mm-hmm. I will praise Him regardless. You know, so it's a good perspective. Well, it's the only thing that keeps me sane, man. Yeah. in this world, yeah, I get that. Um, so back to spinal columns. <laughs> I. Uh, I used to sleep on my side for almost my whole life. And I have recently tried to start sleeping on my back. And um, I used to wake up with slight pain in my side. That's the opposite side from the side I would sleep on. I don't know how that works. But now that I've been sleeping on my back, it's been going away. Um, Have you noticed sleep playing a big factor in the the kind of stuff that you do? Oh yes and no. Again, this is another this is another situation that some people get away with murder. Um, stomach sleepers, uh, they're doing no good service to their neck or their low back. Uh, they've always said back is the best way to sleep. Um, side is the second best area to sleep on. Um, you know, people get in trouble when they side sleep and they bring one leg up, almost like. Sim- close to a fetal position. Yeah, um, that's, well, I'm that's sorry. what I would do. So the leg against the bed usually, when, when people get themselves in trouble, leg against the bed is usually semi-straight. Uh, the other mm. leg is thrown way out in front of them, over a pillow or just you know way out in front of them. Well, if you sleep in that position all the time for hours and hours and hours, um, your back kind of gets stuck in a certain way. And so that gets some people in trouble. Um, they, they, but they did. They, they, they've always said sleeping on your back with a pillow underneath your knees just to take some of the pressure off is the best way. Second, second best is side sleeping with a pillow between your knees. Now, it'd be best to flip flop all night long so that you get equal time on each side. How do you do that? <laughs> I can, man. I move around. Oh, man. Yeah. My wife has all sorts of stories, but I actually, I mean, I, I woke up. Uh, way outside of bed. I was at a church camp and um, woke up knocking on the doors of the sanctuary trying to get in <laughs> at like three in the morning. Had no idea how I got there. No peyote involved? No. <laughs> <clears throat> so we talked about some of your uh, your favorite stories. Do you have any other great stories? Mm. Well, uh, a, a story that does help... Uh, has helped several of my patients on the subject of sleeping. Um, and my granddad, he, he was a chiropractor. Uh, we, we'd go up to, he had a, a cabin at the Tennessee river and we'd go fishing all the time, you know? And so one day we're in the fishing boat and he's like, son, he said, I walked, I walked in and, and checked on you last night and you were sleeping on your stomach. He said, no chiropractor son or grandson is going to be sleeping on their <laughs> stomach. And of course I'm like, well, grandpa, that's just the way I sleep. You know, I, I've tried to sleep other ways and that's, that's the most comfortable. That's how I fall asleep. He said, no, no, no. He said, every, every night you spend 15 or 20 minutes trying to sleep on your side or your back. And he said, it'll become, it'll become habit. He said, now, after 15 minutes, just get comfortable and go to sleep. Sleep's important. But he said, you know, just, you know, 
15 minutes. That'll, that'll help you change your habits. And I'm like, well, Grandpa, sometimes in my sleep, I just get there. And he's like, of course, you know, the guy had an answer for everything. He's like, son, your, your subconscious is a very powerful thing. And <laughs> yeah. if you just decide that you are not going to be a stomach sleeper <laughs> over time, your body, your, your, your mind will help you, help you fix that. And wow. man, sure enough, years later, um, I didn't sleep on my stomach anymore, except for those Saturday mornings where you don't have an alarm going off. Right. You're just trying to eke out that last yeah, five minutes. You know? But I've, I've told patients that story for years, and uh, that's, that's helped them. Uh, I've had several say, hey, that technique really worked. Thanks for that. I'm like, thanks, oh. Grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you look at a person and you uh, – can you tell, like, and they look like they're sitting weird, can you tell, oh, that's, that's elf? three and l2 oh yeah, not specifically okay. um, now sometimes i can tell another funny story in chiropractic school um you know first couple semesters they're like just walk watch people walk you know it's just like get get a get you get a healthy understanding of people's gait and then you can start picking on this and you can start picking on that so one day i'm in, I'm in the in the mall in st louis and i'm just kind of watching people and I'm you know just killing time college student you know tired of studying and just time to go do something you know didn't have any money to shop with so, <laughs> so anyway I'm, I'm on the esc- I remember this like it was yesterday I'm going down on an escalator and there's this girl she was young um, she's walking through the mall you know just walking you know and I'm literally just wa- watching her walk you know I'm not I'm like, like she didn't catch my eye you know or anything and I hear and I look over, and there's this older woman coming up the opposite escalator looking at me, just giving me this oh, stink yeah. eye. Like, yeah. you're checking out that girl's <laughs> yeah. butt. And I'm like, no, it's her pelvis. She's walking funny, you know? Like, I didn't, she didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. But I was ashamed and not ashamed all at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. You know? Like, it's oh, not man. what you think. Yeah. <laughs> no other stories are really uh, coming to mind, though. Yeah, I'm sure there are. You know, you know, you know how it is. You leave here and you're like, "Why didn't I tell yeah, that yeah, one?" Yeah, exactly. Well, it's also, you know, if it's your practice, if it's what you do every day, it's it's normal life. Yep. So, you know, some things that we would see and we'd be like, "Whoa, mm-hmm. that's just normal." Okay, so. actually, another story. Okay, now, this was fun. Uh, so this young lady comes in. Um, she had stopped taking her birth control uh, like six months or a year before. Um, her and her husband were ready to have kids, um, but her cycle had not started back yet. And she said, hey, I, I read somewhere that um, if your back's not working right, then sometimes your organs aren't working right, and that can send hormones out of whack. And um, I've heard that chiropractic can help with that. And I'm like, yeah, um, it, that's possible. It's, things happen, but I'm, I'm not going to promise you today that I'm mm-hmm. your cure for infertility. You know, I just – I don't know. There's nothing for me to like – you don't have like – a dipstick where I can say, okay, yeah, it's, it's L5, you know, I said, but you know, we, we can, we can get in there and get your back moving better and, and functioning better. And if it works great. And if it doesn't, you know, but I'm not, I'm not going to promise you one way or the other. So, um, we start adjusting her, uh, three times a week. And after the second week, after her sixth adjustment, she has her first cycle in months and months and mm-hmm. months. And within a year, She's had her first child, mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. coincidence. I don't think so. Yeah. But again, I've got a five adopted kids and my wife has been ad- adjusted a ton and yeah. I haven't cured our infertility. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. You want to talk about adoption? <laughs> we, we can. Yeah, <laughs> we can. I know nothing about adoption, so it'll be a learning experience for me where, yeah. What, what does that, what does that look like uh, for you guys and, yeah. 
Well, um, it can look a lot of different ways. Um, for us, um, and the, we'll, we'll just get into a little bit of background personal story. Um, so the Lord put um, a want to adopt in my heart as a, at a very young age. I think I was 14, very rebellious. Um, again, my parents were having kids like crazy. You know, I'm the oldest of 12 kids. And so I just had all these brothers and sisters. And as a rebellious teenager, you're very selfish. And you think that everything should be given to you. And if my parents are having tons of kids, they can't afford to give everything. You know, all my other kid friends are going to get cars when they're 16. I'm not getting a car, you know. Anyway, so uh, in, my, in my wicked rebellion, I thought, I don't need to have my own kids. I'll adopt all the kids people don't want because I'm self-righteous at that point. Right? Yeah, and you know everything. Right. And so uh, I, I do believe that the Lord was planting seeds uh, and, and kind of helping me open me up to adoption. Well, years later, um, my wife and I are dating, and I'm like, well, you know, I've always kind of leaned towards adoption. And she looks at me, and she was like, that's nice, but I want to have my own kids. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well you're entitled to that. That's not a problem. And if we get married, I'm not going to, we're not going to have that argument, you know? And so, so we did get married. And, uh, again, she, she's very adamant, you know, I want to have my own kids. And I'm like, that's fine. That's fine. So a couple years into it and, um, we're not having our own kids. Uh, we have a miscarriage and still not having our own kids. And so she starts going, well, she, she, that her, her, um, girl doctor guy. I forget. What's the name of those guys? OBGYN. Uh, yeah. Her, her, her girl doctor guy. He says, <laughs> he says, uh, <laughs> never heard that before. Yeah. That's a Bud Pinley. That's okay. my father-in-law. Right. What'd he say? Abigabin. Abigabin. Yeah. There you go. So he says, um, you know, I think if you took this fertility drug, you'd probably get pregnant, you know? So, um, you know, coming from my background, very natural health, you know, I'm like, look, I know what manipulating hormones can do to people. I'd really rather not take that. You know, I'd, I'd rather kind of get things sorted out more naturally if, if we can. And, uh, but you know, uh, not my first choice and she still, no, I, I want to do this. And I'm like, look, I was like, I'm not going to argue with you on this. Um, if you will just take two weeks to study what happens to you when you start taking these fertility drugs and you, if you're okay with that, you've got my blessing, no problems whatsoever. Two weeks later, she comes back. She goes, let's adopt. I'm like, okay, all right, oh, wow. here we go. So we start, um, doing all the things you have to do, filling out paperwork, background checks, yada, yada, yada. And uh, a couple years into it, um, you know, because adoption's a waiting game. Not only uh, are you doing tons of paperwork that take months and months and months and background checks and all this before you can even get approved, um, then you've got the waiting game of a mom picking you. You know, a lot of your adoption agencies, you, you send them a profile, a picture book, and it says lots of nice things in it. And you're, you're marketing so, yourself, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, we're, we're in the midst of that. And... Um, I, and, and okay, so a little bit more backstory. I've always been in, interested in adopting older kids. You know, I'm like, you know, everybody wants a baby. Let's let's adopt, um, you know, the kids that nobody wants. And of course, she she was like, I want an infant. You know, I'm like, okay, not a problem, not a problem. So um, as all this time goes on, um, she comes around. And she's like, um, you know, an infant with a sibling group, you know, wouldn't be a bad idea. You know, we could ha- we could we could adopt, you know, a couple kids um, as long as one of them was an infant. I'm like, great, you know. So a couple more months go by and she was like, well, if we got a, a sibling group that were, it had, that had at least one that was under two, that would be okay. So we just went from infant to at least two and under, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, well, we get a call from a friend and one of their friends has a sibling group. They're three, five, and six. And I'm like, 
my wife is bringing this to me. And I'm like, well, hold on a second, you know. So the, the Lord just really brought us together. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't an argument, it wasn't a fight. So we went and uh, set up a, a, a time to uh, meet these three kids. Well, in the process of, of that time coming about, we found out that the these three kids, their birth mother had a 64-year sentence originally, but it got dropped to eight years. But then that eight-year sentence got dropped to a year. So they may not be adoptable, in other words. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but we still, you know, we were getting a lot of flack from a lot of people saying, you do not want to consider adopting a sibling group. You guys have no kids, you know, but I'm the oldest of 12 kids. My right. wife is the second oldest of eight kids. Yeah, so you raised at least three or four of those. <laughs> at least, you know. So uh, anyway, so we, we decided to go ahead and meet this family um, because the, the foster parents um, had adopted and uh, fostered multiple sibling groups. So we want to get their input. So we, we go and we, we keep the appointment anyway. Well, so we get there and we talk to them, we meet the kids and, you know, you fall in love with kids. It just happens, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, then the foster parents were like, look, you just, you take every day at a time. It's, it's not insane. You know, just do what, do what, you know, you think you, you need to do, pray about it. So weaker couple months go by or whatever. And, um, I get a call from this lady and she says, Hey, um, you know, we're going through some tough times and we would really like some respite, which is basically take the kids off our hands for the weekend and just give us a break. Sure. You know, we got no kids. We got nothing to do. You know, let's, let's do this. So uh, it was, it was, that was actually the, the day she called me was new year's day, 2012. I was, I, I was, I was standing on my, my wife's grandmother's front porch, front porch talking to mm-hmm. her about this. And mm-hmm. so we were headed home that, that day. And I think that was, well, actually, it was it was New Year's Day. We actually headed home, so we went actually went straight to her house, picked them up, um, took them out to a movie. We went and saw Ten Ten, and like got them all the Burger King they could possibly handle. You know, and, <laughs> and so um, had them that that day, and then just started helping out. I think there was one weekend um, for the next two or three months uh, that we didn't have them, and then she called me. Uh, it was halfway through February, I think it was, and said, "Hey." Um, some things going on in the family. We, we can't do this anymore. Could, could you take the kids? Now, we weren't foster parents. We, um, we had started the foster care classes, but um, uh, long story short, the, the judge knew that we had been helping out with the kids, knew the family that had them real well, um, knew the ca- casa worker real well, and everybody was saying, great family, you know, they, sh- they, should, they should get them. So the judge, and, and you're not supposed to be able to do that. You know, mm-hmm. that, like if you're not in foster care and you're not really friends or family with the family that they came from, then the Lord just worked it out, you yeah. know. So we end up moving them in. And that was in the end of February, beginning of March 2012. A um, couple weeks later, I get a call. Um, my wife, uh, no, sorry. I, no, I got an email. I was actually on the way. I was on the way out to my truck um, to take a load of trash to the dump. I get an email from one of my patients. He's like, hey, will you call me? I need to talk, talk to you about something. I'm like, oh, great. I got to go in the office on Saturday. The guy's probably dying. So I call the guy as I get ready to pull out. And he's like, hey, I've got this situation. Um, we got a family member in Kentucky. She's pre- pregnant with her second child. Um, she's special needs. Her husband's or boyfriend boyfriend special needs. Uh, the family's already taken care of her first daughter. They can't take care of anymore. Um, would you, I overheard you talking in your office about adjust, adopting. Would you, could you 
consider this. And I'm like, we just took on three kids. I was like, I don't know. I, let me think about it. I don't even know if I'm going to talk to my wife about it, which <laughs> mistake. You don't ever not talk to your wife <laughs> yeah, about yeah, something. Exactly. Right? So I take the stuff to the dump. I come back and I'm standing in my foyer. Boys are running back and forth as three and five-year-old boys do. Oh, gosh. And, you know, things are crazy. And my wife walks <laughs> through and I've just got this look on my face and she goes, uh, what's wrong? And I go, um, since we just took on these three kids, um, would we even think about taking on a baby? And you know that wife look that you get when you've just said something incredibly stupid? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's the look I got. And she goes, uh, yes. <laughs> so, um, so again, wow. uh, we moved those three kids in. Um, beginning of March 2012, Ann and I was born on... Uh, in May of 2012. So we went from zero to four real quick. Wow. Uh, the Lord just worked it out. You know, that stuff doesn't typically happen. Yeah. Um, now, how to adopt. Uh, there's a lot of different ways. Um, foster care is, is a way. Um, we didn't do it that way, but that's kind of how that happened. We were, we, we were being foster parents outside of the foster system, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, the, the older three kids, uh, their parents could have gotten them back. Um, they dropped the ball. You know, they, they really did. We spent two years um, spending time with them because uh, we thought they were going to get back, and they didn't. And so we got to adopt them, and I praise the Lord for that. You know, I hate it for them, but when you're not doing what you got to do, yeah, somebody else has to step up. And so yeah. um, Ann and I came um, because, again, we just put the word out there. And um, our, our newest adoption, he, uh, he's uh, Miles, is, he'll be 15 months uh, this month. And, uh, again, that was another situation where, um, we just kind of let people know we wanted to adopt. Um, it didn't come through an agency, uh, which that's another thing, you know, people hear about adoptions costing 30 and $40,000. They can, um, there are different ways to adopt that are much cheaper through the state, through foster care. It comes with a ton of headaches. You just have to be patient with the foster care system. You got to put up with a ton of stuff you don't understand. But again, you just—it's another situation where you just have to understand God's in control. Keep praying, do be as faithful as you can, and mm. things work out. You know, um, for better or for worse, um, they work out. And yeah. uh, but all of ours, um, none of our adoptions cost more than twenty thousand dollars. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, the Lord provided for all that. And our last one, we literally. We were still recovering from our other two adoptions. My wife quit her job. We're homeschooling. You know, we're trying to just make ends meet. And we were presented with this other opportunity, which that fell apart. Um, but, you know, the Lord provided all the money for adoption. And mm-hmm. it's one of those things, man. Um, a lot of people, you know, they're, they're kind of standoffish because they're like, well, it's just not the same. We have to remind ourselves all the time that our kids are adopted because we don't know it. You know, all the time we're like, yeah, you're going to inherit this genetic. No, you're not. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah. So, yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It really is. That's an awesome story. Oh, it's, man, going through it, it seems like utter chaos and craziness. But um, when you look back at it, um, you can see the Lord's hand in every stinking step. And you're just like, why was I so faithless? And he was faithful, Hmm. you know? My wife and I are hoping to adopt one day. That's yep. something I care very deeply about. Yep. Yeah. There are a lot of issues in politics that I care nothing about. Um, most of the issues I think are just stupid. It's just a lot of petty fighting. Yep. Um, 
but the but the pro life issue yep. is a line in the sand for me. Yep. Um, and out of all of the arguments that are going on in society today, that's the one that I think is the most important. Yep. Um, and adoption is a part of that discussion that's usually left out. So yep. I feel very passionately about adoption. It's yep. extremely oh, important. It hasn't been left out lately because a lot of the pro-choicers are saying, you know, all you guys who are pro-life, why aren't you adopting? And me and my wife are like, <laughs> you know, what, what do you, yeah. what do you, what do you got to say to us? Yeah. You know, yeah. Do, yeah. Do, can we, can we, yeah. can we speak out against you? Yeah. 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 You know? Well, for, for those, for those listening who are, who are Christians, there is no, I don't know of any clearer picture of the gospel than adoption. Um, Jesus was adopted. Joseph, yeah. Joseph adopted yeah. Jesus. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you, you got the book of Romans talking yeah. about how the the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and his death and resurrection um, brings us into the family of God yep. in a way that we had we had no right to claim nope. in and of ourselves. <laughs> you know, we, we weren't even pretty cute babies. We were rebellious, yeah. evil, wicked. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and the, the illustration that the Bible uses for that is adoption. Yep. So I, I don't know how much clearer you can get than that. It's such a yep. beautiful picture. So, yep. yeah, man. I did have one other thing that I wanted to talk to you uh, quickly about. Um, Mark Twain. Have you ever read Mark Twain at all? Nope. Well, um, not, not a whole book. Yeah. Anyway. Well, he's got a uh, a book called Life on the Mississippi, and it's where he learns to be a uh, a steamboat pilot that goes up from Los not Los Angeles, um, New Orleans, all the way up the Mississippi to I guess Memphis area um, or St. Louis, I guess. And anyways, the thing that one the, my favorite part of the whole book is when he writes a little bit about how at the beginning, every sunrise on the Mississippi was magnificent and every sunset was beautiful and every, you know, ripple in the water that caught the sun the right way was just magical to him. And he said by the time he retired 20-something years, or I don't know how many years it was later, it got to the point where he knew, okay, this the way the color in the sky looks means like it's going to be this certain weather tomorrow and this ripple in the water means there's a a sandbar this way ahead so you need to watch out and like he learned every inch of the river to where it became not beautiful anymore so I wonder I, and I wanted to ask is that something that you've experienced where at the beginning you're like oh my goodness L5 has you know eight articulations and like every single thing is so magnificent and speaks to the creator um, and I'm sure it still does, but I, I you know, I, I didn't know. I wanted to know, like, has it gotten to a point where it's less beautiful to you in a way, and you because you know every single little thing that's going on. Um. So it starts when I wake up in the morning. If um. If I wake up finding God worthy of all of my honor, all of my praise and worthy of all glory, um, I find beauty in even the mundane. Mm. Um, Days where I wake up and I put myself on the throne and I am my God, then helping people 
is just another day, another, another task, you know? And, uh, and of course that can go both ways. Mm -hmm. Um, I can get boring and I can be very proud of myself, you know? And so, um, it depends on the day, man. Yeah. It does. It depends on the day. There, there are days where I, I go in the office and I, it, it, the, I have patients that try my patience, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Sure. And there, there are people that I don't like to see on the schedule and, um, the days where I can see them come in and I'm happy to see them mm-hmm. and th- their most annoying thing. I can thank you, Lord, you know, mm-hmm. thank you for, um, why, whatever reason, you know, you're using this person to sanctify me. I, I thank you for it and I praise you for it. And, and thank you, Lord. Um, that's a good day, you know, and so, of course, and then, so yeah, uh, adjusting people and, and, you know, Adam was put in the garden to put order and work the garden, right? Well, the, the, the spine, the, the, the body, the joints, that's my garden. That's what I'm supposed to bring order back to mm-hmm. every day. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's a full-time job. Just getting my head on straight every morning. Sure. You know? Sure. So it's more, it's, it's about intentionality for you. If you can be intentional about, uh, seeing the beauty in things, then you can see the beauty in things. Whereas if you sort of let, let it slide by. Yep. Good answer. So that's all I had, uh, as far as, as far as talking about chiropractic and stuff like that. So, yeah. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about? This has been great. Hmm. Nope. All right. Oh, confession. You know, I was talking about iPhones earlier. Yeah. For years, I've made fun of Apple iPhone users. Yeah. They've always got cracked screens. <laughs> I've never cracked a cell phone screen. Well, that happened this, this earlier or last in the last week. Oh, last so, week. Yeah. Huh? I've, I've had to eat crow. So <laughs> sorry. You said that. I just looked down and that was a pet peeve yeah. today. So yeah. Yeah, I've been holding out hope for this one because I've gone through, I think, four screens, not with this phone, but just with previous phones, and uh, I'm really trying to not break this one. Yeah. Mine, mine's pretty indestructible, man. I think it was made in, like, the early 90s. Uh, this thing, I has, I've put it in coffee, you know. I kicked it into a puddle. I punted it into a puddle accidentally. I was running, and fell out of my hand and didn't realize it until my foot connected with it and it punted a good 20 yards, fell into pieces and put the pieces back together. It's all fine, man. So that's why I keep using these little flip phones. Yep. They seem to serve you well. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, we really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. I know more about my back than I ever have, so it's great. All right, signing out. Signing out. Hey, everybody. If you'd like to help us with this podcast, there are several different ways you can do that. One is to leave us a review. Another is to click subscribe. Um, You can share any episodes you particularly enjoy on social media for new listeners to hear. And also check out the show notes for where you can follow us because we'll be posting updates as this experiment continues to grow. So thanks for listening.